I'm going to miss my walk-up song, I tell you. If I was a Major League Baseball player, I would have. Uh, not sure that would be it. But Cry Out to Jesus would probably be my walk-up song, but that would come in second probably. But anyway, well, great to have you here this morning. And a repetition is the motor of learning. Repetition is the mode of learning. Thank you for saying that, Josiah, because I do believe hearing it over and over. So I'm going to preach you a sermon I preached to you four different times in a row. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But anyway, but I will give you a passage of Scripture that you're real familiar with and uh, already been mentioned here this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, brother and sisters, offer yourselves as living sacrifices holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable, but that is your spiritual. You should at least do this kind of worship. <laughs> no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Morpho. Metamorphosis. Transformation. It's the change or form of a nature, of, of or nature of something from one thing to another, either naturally or supernaturally. A caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Renovation's mission statement, our vision statement, as many of you are, we will refer to a few things here today because transformation, as we come towards the end of good and beautiful God, is so critical. We've talked about last week, self-sacrifice, the week before, holiness. We talked about generous. We talked about God being a God of love. We've talked about that things, but he, those things, but he is a God that transforms. And it's so critical, and, and that's the reason why we put it in the middle of our vision statement, and that is renovation is to raise up influencers through spiritual transformation to be soft and light where we're engaged and influential. To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation, not just formation. We can do a lot of that. There's a lot of religions that do formation, but transformation, morpho, to be salt and light where we're engaged and influential. I just got to make sure something real quick. Is that not popping up behind me? Okay, you working on it? Okay, Josiah, how's it going back there? Good to see you, brother. There you go. There you go. I just wanted to make sure sometimes that one doesn't work at the same time that one is, so I was trying to make sure I wouldn't have to turn around and I'm going, I did one of those, you know, the peripheral things going, it's not back there, so I thought it might have, it is not showing up. But it's critical for us when we talk about transformation because, again, we want to be like a farmer planting a seed, what? Not, the the farmer can pick the right kind of uh, season. He can pick the right kind of soil. He can uh, till it. He can do all those things. He can then plant the seed and fertilize it and water, do all those things. But there's one thing he can't make it do. He cannot make it do. He cannot make it grow. But he can do everything else. He can give the best conditions for it to grow. And that's what we're trying to do at Renovation is trying to give the best conditions for God to do what only He can do. But we're never going to try to do what God can do. We're never going to try to take that place. So transformation is critical. Paul says in Galatians 4, you don't have the Scripture, so don't look for it, (laughs) until Christ is formed in you. 2 Corinthians, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, when we're transformed into his likeness. But what if you were living a different narrative? For instance, that you were under the teaching 
that you are fundamentally a sinner? Period. End of teaching. This can lead to a lot of frustration and failure. I love what David Needham says. What could be more frustrating than being a Christian who primarily thinks himself to be a self-centered sinner, yet whose purpose in life is to produce God-centered holiness? How many of you watch HGTV and watch the shows on HGTV? You're probably going to be in the minority if you don't raise your hand. <laughs> Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanne, Flip and flop wherever you want to across the U.S. now, I guess. It's all over the place. But no doubt we watch those shows because maybe we can maybe get some new ideas or whatever of what we could do at our home, which we will never, ever do. You know you won't. But you at least like to watch it and you binge watch. But I think there's a greater reason why most of us watch it. Because we love to see things overcome. I think we love to see things repurposed. I think we love to look at stuff and go, wow, that was that, now it's, now it's that. A renovation, you know, our, our, our name comes from the Latin word renovare, to me, means to be made new or to restore, to bring back life and vigor. Our logo, I don't know if we have that up there or not. There it is. Yeah, you go. But our logo is, is brokenness. It's that broken piece. It's the world. And our logo, obviously, most of you know, is a construction sign. The yellow's not exactly, but it's close. We went that way. But in the middle of all that brokenness is what? The cross. It is the cross that bridges all of this back together. It is Christ and through the cross and his resurrection that brings all of this back together. And if you begin to live into that story, that my life is not just a sinner saved by grace, which it is, but it's more than that. You begin to live into a different narrative. You begin to live into a different story. A different story now is being told about your life. Jesus says, those who give themselves to him will receive living water. John 14, the Spirit of God himself. That we will receive rivers of living waters, get this, rivers of living waters flowing from the center of our lives to a thirsty world. That is an unbelievable picture that you have now, and it's a new story. Instead of saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I'm just trying to hang on, I'm not even really trying to hang on either, but I'm just trying to hang on, someday I'll get to heaven. If that's your story, you're missing this river of living water flowing from within you to a thirsty world. You're just missing it different story we have a teaching here as many of you know called uncommon training and one of the things we talk about there is location a lot but the other one we talk about is is destination our destination for us as believers here at least at renovation is transformation obviously into Christ likeness it is holiness it's Christ in you the hope of glory But our destination when we talk about an uncommon training is the term ethos. And ethos, by definition, is a spontaneous, we, we, this is something we wrote down, and I, it's got pieces of different people's definition of it. 
But it's a spontaneous reoccurring pattern that is the character, spirit, and soul of a person. It is that underlying conviction that determines the beliefs, values, and worldview of that person or community. It's what drives or compels them. The ethos of Christ, where it infuses every area of our life and the reality of our faith, makes us stand out in a crowd to be uncommon. The destination. But we also like to say here, over and over, I have been transformed and I am being transformed. I think we all believe in change of some sort. You know, we would all think that, I know there's people who have watched people over the years change, and there are certain people in here, I would say, that can see somebody the first, see them for maybe for years and years, and you get in your mind that's always who they're going to be, and you don't ever, no matter if they change, you're still going to have that in your mind. You know anybody like that that says, I don't care what happens in their life now, I've got them in this window of time, and that's who they're going to be from now on in my mind. But if you're a parent in here, you've run into situations as a, not only as a youth pastor for a long, long time, and it's so great again to see all the youth pastors in here and NY presidents. And, and uh, as many of you know, I'm a, as I've heard said before, I'm a youth pastor to, to big people now or adults, but I still have that in my heart, as most of you know. But one of the things that's a nightmare, crazy phenomenon if you're a parent is raising your kids, and somewhere between the ages, I'm just going to give this shot, 16 and 20, 15 and 20, somewhere in there, someone, or many someones, may have more influence over your child than you do as a parent. And it happens overnight. You raised them, you fed them, you clothed them, you bought them an iPhone, you did club sports, you did all those things, but in one evening sometimes, literally one night, it's different. Maybe you were like me, some of you in here. At 16 years old, on my 16th birthday, I took my first drink of alcohol. It took me down a road, literally took me down a road for the next decade that I couldn't figure out how to get out of. At 16 years old, I changed from an obedient, God-fearing, good kid who was without Jesus to a heavy drinking, living like there was no God, but still considered good kid in the little town of Wicks, Arkansas, but without Jesus. If you took a picture of me at the age of 25 or 26, I would have had longer hair, a very cool-looking mustache, <laughs> a little less or a lot less weight, maybe is a better way to say that, maybe 15, 20 pounds. But if you'd have told me at that time that you'd always look this way, physically everything, and health-wise you'd feel this way, you'd have two good hips the rest of your life, I might have gone for that. But on the inside the depths of my soul, I was an absolute disaster. See, what I needed at 25 and 26 and all that whole decade, and I still need today, is not change from one thing to another, but transformation. 
from who I am into who I was meant to be all along. That's different, folks. Friends, you don't need to be changed this morning. You need to be transformed. And thankfully, at 27 years old, by accepting Christ as my Savior, I started that transformation process that continues to this day. And I hope and pray continues to the day I see Jesus face to face. People ask me how I grew so quick in my faith early on. I mean, part of it was I was making up for lost time, probably. I don't know. But to me, the simplest thing was what few things I knew about Christianity and the Christian life and what I read in Scripture and I was eating Scripture up like it was, I mean, I was reading it consistently. What I knew about it, I tried to live it without wavering. And what, was, what began to happen in my life, the things I had tried to stop doing before, my foul mouth and oh, I could just go down a list of things, the things I had tried to stop doing before began to have to leave because I was filling myself up not only with the things of God but His Spirit, as Josiah mentioned earlier, like getting milk in a glass and you begin to pour clear water into it. There's a point where that milk has to leave. It begins to purge it out. It's more than just trying to stop something. It's just getting rid of it because the things of God go, there ain't no room in here for this anymore. And you begin, the Spirit begins to go, okay, let's compare who you say you want to be to what's happening. And you go, that ain't going to work no more. And as I've said last week, by the instigation and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, things begin to change. I I love Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to read it for you here. You can look it up later. But the story of Zacchaeus, I'm not going to sing the song for you or anything like that. I sang for you last week. That's enough for this year. (laughs) Head tax collector was in Jericho, was not thought of well at all. Wealthy, you know, just the the bottom of the barrel in the sense of how the people saw him. But Jesus is coming through Jericho, going to Jerusalem. Zacchaeus hears about it. He goes, he's a little short man, little wee little man, as they say. He goes and gets in a sycamore fig, sycamore tree, gets up in the tree. Jesus walks by and says, hey, come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I'm going to your house. And he does. After meeting with Jesus, after he leaves his house, What does Zacchaeus do? He doesn't just say, you know what, I'm going to quit taking money from people like I've been doing. That's not what he does, even though he doesn't. He does stop that. That's not where he stops. Because a lot of times you go, I just got to stop doing this. No, Zacchaeus goes in retribution, gives money back. I mean, not just a little bit, but a lot back and starts paying everybody back. What happened to Zacchaeus was this. Zacchaeus just didn't stop doing something. He became something else. He wasn't didn't just stop being greedy and corrupt. He became generous. That's different. That's different. He was repurposed. He was repurposed. See, I don't want a faith that just stops me from doing things. We can go, I can tell you once in the valley will make you stop doing things. Let me tell you, I want to be, I want not just stop doing something, I want to become something I never could have been before without this supernatural power working within me. That's what I want. But it's a fight to live it out every day. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 2, excuse me, and then part of 3. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 and 14. 
13 and 14, excuse me. Paul says, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as the people who live by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, now he's talking to people in the church. Talking to leaders, probably. <laughs> I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. But people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Are you not acting like the natural man? There's two great changes I think a person can have in their life. Two significant transformations. One is from the saved man to the, to the carnal or worldly man to the person who's the natural to the saved man. That's the person. The other one is from the saved man or the carnal man to the spiritual man. One comes by the Spirit drawing us so the only way the Word says the only way we can come to Christ is by the Spirit drawing us. That's the reason why I said last week, if you go find your God, if you go out and search for your God and you find Him, your God's too small. Because my God came looking after me. He came searching for me. And I recognized Him. Spiritually discerned. You realize that God's drawing you. And you step into that. The second major change is when you begin to adjust your life to the Spirit. He begins to change you. Paul says, I wish I could talk to you like spiritual people, but you're still on milk. The three areas we talk about here and we talk about in the uncommon training, we spend a lot of time, we could do more. Do you have the slide up there of the, of the three? No, no, the three. No, no. Yeah, let's do that first. Go back to that. Now go back to the other one. Go back to the other one. I'm just messing with you. Yes, yeah, stay there. No, I'll go with the other one. Really, I'm just... Really. I mean now. No, just kidding. Uh, just so you have your picture of it, the natural man, carnal man, spiritual man. Hey, thanks, for Michelle, for this too. I know you're proud of it. I know you're, you gave this to me about six months ago, and I'm finally using it. But it's great. Okay, go to the next slide. We believe here at Renovation, everybody's on a journey. Everybody you meet, go to the five C's. We've created this, and we believe it helps us a little bit, the five C's, that everybody's in some place. No matter if you meet them on the street every day, all the way to people who walk in this door every week. And we've got to figure out, we're trying to figure out how do we disciple each one of them at each place? How do we have conversations? How do we know when to get out of conversations? Because we know a person is what? Combative. Back up, back, back the truck up, back the truck up. Know how to do that. But a person who's only operating out of their conscience, that is the natural man. The person who comes concerned still probably is the natural man. But is this, oh, this whole thing, is it true? Is it true for me? Is it true for me all the time? I need to know that it's true for me all the time. Then, he, then we accept Christ as our Savior. We become convinced and we become secure and comfortable in our faith. The problem with that is, and our churches are full of it across America, is we become complacent because we're capped spiritually. But through 
the, 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 the leading of the Spirit brings us to a place of conviction where we begin to say, this is not acceptable in my life. God, help me through your instigation and empowerment of the Spirit. Help me walk this out. Stir me. Awaken me. And I'm going to be a participant. I'm going to engage this. I'm going to be a part of the solution. I'm not just waiting for you to knock on the door one day and deliver me from something. I'm going to do part, my part while you do your part. I'm going to give the best conditions. And the last one is, and these are the people, man, you want to hang out with, you want to find these people. These are people that are compelled. Paul says, Christ's love compels me. That I am an ambassador of the king. I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That I am focused and intentional. Holy discontent, holy discontent is whatever breaks God's heart, he puts on your, whatever breaks God's heart or makes you angry, he puts on your heart and tells you what? Go do something about it. And I'm giving your heart back till you do something. God comes along, splits your chest wide open, reaches in and grabs your heart, says you're not getting it back till you follow what I'm asking you to do. That's the reason why so many of you right now are frustrated in your faith. Because God's grabbed your heart. And you said, I got another option, and I'm going to choose that. Barna, as you know, we've used this a lot. Barna's 10-step journey. Right here. Uh, come on. Oh, there it is. I can get this to work. There it is. You as a pastor, you begin, and many pastors in here, you begin to think, only 1% of the people get it? <laughs> we do all this, and only 2% 2, 2 get it? Because here's where most people end up, right back here. Unfortunately, many of them end up back up here. The natural man. I tell people all the time, when you say, well, I don't understand why she does that or why he does that. I tell you, a natural man, they're only working off what they've got up to that point. Their instincts, you need to be praying for them because they're working at a deficit. You need to quit getting so upset about people either on TV or wherever it is. If they don't know Christ, they're working at a deficit. You need to have a compassion for them. They work at a deficit, but you have responsibility. You don't work at a deficit. You have access to an almighty God. He wants to live in you and through you to a thirsty world. The carnal or worldly Christian, no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The morpho, God needs to change your mind, the way you're thinking. You know, babies are good because we all start out that way. There's a statement I heard not too long ago. Some of you already know this. Not only babies, obviously you're great creature, little creatures, and we all need them, all that kind of stuff. But no, I love babies. You know that. Most of you know me. I'm messing around. But one of the best descriptions I ever heard about what Paul is saying here said a baby has a mouth at one end and no responsibility at the other. <laughs> Anybody, you got any of those in your church? Got a mouth on one end and no responsibility on the other. See, that condition of being a baby is all right when they're supposed to be a baby. But it's not all right when they're 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 and 25. Changing the diaper of a 20-year-old is not very 
appealing. And usually means something's not right. No longer be children, Paul says in Ephesians 4, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind and doctrine. Church to church to church to church. Who's got what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm convinced that many churches nowadays have just kind of come to the point going, it's just easier to proclaim a gospel that we're just sinners saved by grace and let's move on. It's just easier. Well, I agree, we are sinners saved by grace. I just believe it preaches a half a gospel. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, I love what Paul says, but, whatever anyone, when any, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, let me hear it, freedom. I mean, I think of William Wallace, many of you do in here. I mean, it is laying on there, and they're about to kill him. Freedom! And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. When's the last time you contemplated the Lord's glory? Are being transformed, morpho, into His image. And with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It was for freedom's sake that Christ came. See, sin separates us. We've said this many times here. Sin, if sin had a job description, its job description is separation. It separates us from God. It separates us from others. It separates us from our divine purpose. So why would God go, oh, sure, just live that way? <laughs> yeah, that's what I had in mind when I started all this thing, was that you would live there. Separated from me, separated from others, separated from your purpose. James Bryan Smith says in his book, It's Good and Beautiful God, says Christians are not merely forgiven sinners, but a new species, persons indwelt by Jesus. We are no longer enemies of God. We are no longer hopeless. We're no longer weak. We're no longer powerless. We are a new creation. Over 150 times, I think it is, in, in, in Paul's writings, he says, in Christ or in the Lord. As many times as he mentions this, you would think it would drive us to ask what it means to be in Christ. You think that would be the first thing on our, that many times? I need to know what that means. James Brian Smith goes on to say, he says, when I hear, hear the statement, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I want to say that makes as much sense as a butterfly saying, I'm a worm with wings. No longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. A caterpillar crawled, butterflies fly. If you want to be a caterpillar, I guess that's your choice. I want to fly. They are distinctly different creatures. Matter of fact, 
the caterpillar dies. Spiritual man. Put that last slide up, that the one we had. Of the three. See, I believe when you reach this point, let me get it working here again. This point here, when you get tired of that, when you tried it all yourself, you tried everything. The only thing that's left is holiness. There's nothing left. Put up the five C's. When you reach, come on, baby. When you reach this point, you maybe go back here, and some of you have been a Christian a long time still asking this question right in here. When you start working in here, things begin to change. I love what Richard Foster says about transformation. He says, God begins to capture you. First the heart and will, then the mind, then the imagination, and then the passions. It's more than just breaking habits we begin to take on the personality and habits of Christ. I still believe the best way to escape conforming to this world is not by trying to be unlike the world, which we've done many times throughout church history, but it's allowing ourselves to become like Christ. And he'll take care of the rest of it. He just takes care of the rest of it. And over time, I believe an amazing thing can happen. You begin to find yourself wanting to live this way. See, as the carnal Christian, I'm not even sure you want to live that way. You just know that you want to be saved, you want to go to heaven, you want to do some right things. But when you begin to be transformed in what we would call sanctification or consecration, sanctification inside the church, and we've talked about that in the last few weeks, so I won't re-preach it. There's something begins to happen, and you begin to want to live this way. You not only want to do the right things, you want to be the right person. That's different. I don't want to just do right things and list all those things that I do right. I want to be the right kind of person where to a thirsty world, something is flowing out of me. It's called the, liver, the, the river of living water flowing out of me. That's what I want to happen. Yet, it requires a surrendered heart. We could go back, and we won't do it. We could go back to the bar on a slide. We get stuck. Henry Blackaby would call it crisis of belief. There's that moment where we're there, and God is doing something. He has led us there, and he's brought us to this point, and we go, no. I'm not saying you're not a Christian anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're stuck. You're capped. You're capped.
But even the surrendered heart, let me tell you, tell you this, will take a lot of time <laughs> of what God begins to transform you. I read something this week, I'm not sure what it was in, talking about the oak tree, so since I don't have a reference to it, I'm doing it off my notes here. Uh, you can't quote me on it later because I could be wrong on every bit of it, but it sounded cool. It said the oak tree only grows two months out of the year. The other 10 months, other 10 months of the year is stabilizing, the rest of the tree is stabilizing the growth that it took on. And we were sharing, I think Joel shared it when we were doing our Uncommon, that the healthiest tree is that the roots are as wide as the canopy. So there are going to be moments of growth and there's moments of stability. We need to help people be in a community. That's the reason why we encourage you being in the community to help try to figure that out together. Esther Simon, come on down. We'll, we'll close in communion this morning. And I do appreciate, man, the last, this whole series. We, there are times we haven't opened offers up and people came anyway. <laughs> Today we are closing around communion and of course next week we'll continue the series. This is not the last part of the series. Next week will be the actual close of it. This is one of our main scriptures from Uncommon. Not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. I think it's critical you understand that. To him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. About a year ago I went rock climbing on Camelback and some of you are like where I was that day. I had to jump a gap. Had a guy leading, was an expert climber. He was about 6'6", so he just steps, he just kind of jumps across this gap and ties on over there and ties me on on the other side. He said, just jump across. Well, I mean, it may have only been five feet, but it looked like 50 feet because the drop was straight down, another 75 feet straight down. Now, I was hooked in. He already had me locked in and everything. And at first you think, well, if I can just step across something, then I'll swing myself over. That's how some of you have been doing your Christian walk, I think. As long as that's all it is, as long as all you're asking, and as long as I can keep one foot here and one foot there, and when I finally get time, I'll... No, what I had to do was leave the rock, the other rock. I literally had to leave that rock in order to get to that rock. Some of you in the carnal worldly, you're stuck. Because you got a foot in one, and your heart's still there. Your mind says, I know I'm supposed to be over here. And you're just kind of stuck. And you're capped, we would call it here. Man, he loves you. 
He died not just so you could keep on doing what you've always done, like mere humans. The promise is that ordinary people can, can become extraordinary when we walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Christ came for that.